Every journey begins with a question. Our journey begins with this one. How can we lead to make the world better? Here, we explore that question through journeys of great success and accomplishment, confronting challenges and overcoming obstacles with leaders from around the globe, whose experience covers a vastly diverse range of background, sector, role, and expertise. One common thread unites them all. They are all leaders striving to make the world better. They are all better world leaders. Welcome to the Better World Leaders podcast. And today I am just really entranced by the opportunity to share this conversation with you, with Dimity Hodger. Dimity is someone I've had the very great pleasure and honor of getting to know to be knowing, I should say, over the last two years or so, I think now. And we've shared some spaces together. We certainly share a deep alignment of values and purpose and the way we try to show up in the world and the work that we're trying to do. And this conversation today is very much about nurturing conditions. And in particular, how do we nurture the conditions in ourselves, in our communities and our organizations to regenerate the role of humanity on this planet. I hope you'll enjoy. Dimity Podger, welcome to the Better World Leaders podcast. Oh, it's great to be here, Tim. Thanks for having me. You are always welcome in whatever time and space and context we are in together. Um, no, it's really, really good to see you. Uh, and we've just had a lovely little conversation of catching up. Where are you right now? So right now I am on Darawal country here on the south coast of New South Wales in Australia, for those of you who are um, overseas. Um, and... I am looking out at my beautiful garden, which is bathed in sunlight, which is uh, lovely to be here um, in that kind of space, having this conversation with you. Yeah. And I am in a similar space on the same Aboriginal country, just a little bit further south uh, from you. And yes, equally bathed in sunlight and no wind or rain today, which is a novelty at the moment. <laughs> um, so as a way into knowing the being that is you, uh, what would you like to share about your journey to be here now, kind of from whenever you wish the sharing of the journey to begin until here we are? Uh, it was interesting uh, when I was thinking about this uh, conversation with you, um, what were some of the things that Oh, these would be interesting stories to share. Um, and in the wee hours of the morning, I was thinking about um, my childhood, um, actually. And what came up for me was um, I spent a lot of my time uh, roaming the um, Allura bushland. Uh, I grew up in um, Pennant Hills. Uh, and I spent most of my time, I think, um, on weekends and afternoons um, roaming around in the bushland with a good friend of mine, making up stories and being creative and um, going on expeditions and investigations and exploring the natural world. And I, I think 
uh, what I bring with me to this context now is that deep love of, of nature and freedom and being um, a, a kind of a free spirit uh, in and amongst um, paths and um, little creeks and surprising spaces in the natural world. And I think that that's, that's a spirit that I bring with me to my life is that love of surprise and mystery and magic um, that comes from the natural world and also us as precious human beings, um, the magic that we can bring and the spirit that we can bring to our lives and work. And I think as a facilitator, I, um, I like to, to bring that spirit with me to um, the design of the programs that I work on, um, the kind of exploratory paths that we might go to um, with participants in programs that I, I lead. And I, I guess I haven't really shared anything about that with um, the listeners. Um, I work um, as a leadership facilitator, um, leadership development, um, personal development uh, facilitator and design kind of programs that are transformational um, and really connect people with who they are um, deeply and how they can bring that kind of limitlessness really um, of themselves to the world and the work that they do. Um, and I lead a, a, a consulting, I guess it's probably more of a uh purpose and values-driven leadership advisory and education um, consultancy called Barassa. And I work quite a lot with leaders from the social sector, um, government, business as well. It's really people who have a connection with the possibility of where humanity can go, um, whether you call that sustainability or regeneration or spirituality or ecological awareness, whatever you might call that. It's I work with people who are really connected to that possibility of an ever-advancing civilization and want to be part of moving our society forward towards something that's uh, people might use the word enlightened um, but much more caring, honest, respectful um, of each other and our planet. That's such an awesome intro and is just so enriching and you know authentic to you uh, as I you know, know well and or am knowing well, I think, I feel, I sense, um, and very much you know speaking from and with and through your essence. So that's a beautiful introduction to self. Thank you. This curiosity I'm holding, what, what energizes you about the work you're doing now? I am really, I guess, enlivened um, by the the opportunity that people see um, or maybe it's more about their agency. So people, when they connect with the, the needs in the world and have a sense of their agency, they themselves come awake and alive to what they can contribute to the world and that's awesome because we have each of us um, unique gifts that we can contribute and there's so many people who are really stepping in and understanding those gifts 
as uh, as oriented towards serving um, humanity and the needs and the challenges. And there is energy in that um, orientation. And what that orientation also does is it connects people with each other. So there's this multiplication that happens when people think, ah, it's not just me serving, it's this collective energy, there's this collaborative field or um, these opportunities to work with and, and collectively move um, the dial on the challenges that humanity faces and our planet is facing. Um, and when we have that spirit of service, our ego can, can quieten uh, and that opens up a whole bunch more kind of energy um, and agency to contribute because you're tapping into something much bigger than ourselves. Um, when I don't know if you've experienced this, Tim, when you experience awe or wonder, there's this smallness of us, but there's also this immensity of us. Um, and when you see and you experience awe of working collectively in a whether it's an amazing team or an organization that's trying to do something extraordinary in the world um, through a very purpose-driven, service-oriented learning culture and you're really striving to make something better, you do. You, there's an awe that you experience in each other and the work and the possibility of contributing um, to something, whether it, it might be a movement or a community or an organisation that's trying to move something forward. And that that working together it's really very enlivening and I I'm energized I'm energized by that and energized by seeing the the resourcefulness of human beings the resourcefulness of of people to say actually no we really want to stick at this hard thing um and we want to stick at it because it's important and I that's how it brings me kind of an op, uh, optimism for the future, and that's that's very energizing. It is. What's, I guess I, I'm curious about what you think about that, and what energizes you in this work. Thank you for the invitation to respond to my impromptu. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I should say no, and no surprise that I'm getting that reflection from a, a fellow in the work. So, I mean, with you know, without just you know phoning it in and saying, oh, the same, I concur. Uh, but, you know, there, there is a lot of likeness in what I'm called to and, you know, what I receive, you know, across the you know, three levels of, you know, sort of self-group system. You know, I get, you know, sort of energetic reciprocity um, from working, you know, centred towards, you know, sort of life-generating work in with and through myself and then in with and through I'm going to say our team and you know the organizations um, that we work with and you know then sort of the systemic work that we are both you know currently separately doing you know the the the, the work that you're doing um with WWF and um the work that we're doing uh you know sort of cross sectorally um and it's very generative witnessing the sort of release and relief that people get when 
collectively there's a connection to sort of doing what I think is this sort of really sort of fundamental and, and sort of radical contribution. Um, the, all, all of the sort of superfluous, you know, reasons, uh, you know, so sort of don't disappear, but they dissipate and they become less prominent, right? So, you know, the obvious stuff, like it's not about profit for profit's sake. Uh, it's about legacy. Okay, well, how do we make sure that we have a legacy by remaining profitable as we're going about creating our legacy and yeah okay we, we need to regenerate you know ecologies and you know humanity's role uh, on the planet and you know sort of restore um so much of the damage has been done okay doing that as a selfful being in very connected collaboration with others i defy anyone not to be energized by that Right, <laughs> honestly. Um, so it, it yeah, you know, it, it's very enriching, and I love your uh, word. So I'm going to repeat it: enlivening um, to be doing this kind of work. Very conscious that it's very novel for a lot of people, and it mm. is a it is a real rediscovery a lot of the time. You know, either at an individual level reconnecting to childhood experiences like the ones that you started off you know, our conversation today describing or you know if you believe in such things you know sort of accessing spiritual planes or you know to my personal belief you know sort of through evolutionary psychology and neurology accessing generational intergenerational memory of actually how we've been in existence the majority of time over our evolutionary cycle so I think this is why this work is energizing because it's kind of fundamentally reorientating and realigning us to our actual purpose here um, rather than all of the distractions that have emerged over the last few hundred years. Not quite, not quite as concise a response as yours. <laughs> no, not at all. I think we're, there's this, there's this mutual unfolding. Um, there's a recognition of our, um, our own responsibility for our own development and maturation and growing, you know, whether you call them virtues, our in our spiritual capacities for um, goodness and being our best selves, whether that's honouring human dignity or um, a deep kindness or compassion um, or an acute sense of justice or that activating sense of, of selfless service, those qualities that we can develop um, in service to the world. And we only really develop them when we're practising them and bringing them to life in, in the world. And uh, we also develop those qualities of character when we're um, contributing to stewarding the health and healing of our ecology and our place. So these things go together, um, our work in our human systems as well as ecological systems and we develop those inequalities that are um, are who we are, really, that our nature is one that is uh, spiritual beings. And something else that I, in answer to your question of energising, um, I just finished the intensive weekend um, at the end of a five-month program with Regenesis um, Institute called the Re uh, Regenerative Practitioner. And... One of the aspects of that we were exploring was what is regenerative development? What is 
what is the essence of this thing? And one of the um, frameworks that were shared was uh, spiritualizing uh, that part of the essence of regenerative development, that it is spiritualizing the material and materializing the spirit. And I really get that. That's really at the essence of um, my work. And I think this, what our part of what our purpose is on, on this planet as human beings is that we're bringing the spiritual to this material um, experience um, and through that materializing um, of our inner inner spirit. And I, I think that's what's animated the work of Barassa really from its beginning and, and through the PhD that I was doing in education for sustainability and looking at how do you bring spirituality into this learning process, this developmental process, and how do we create the form of this world that's really reflective of that inner beauty, of that, of our inner being? Um, and I, you see it, you see it, whether it's through the regeneration of cities movement, how are we bringing this quality of care and respect into our cities or into our local places um, through regeneration, regeneration of our capacities for cooperation, which Joe Brewer talks about in Earth Regenerators. We, we are regenerating these capacities for cooperation or capacities for authentic care, for collaboration rather than greed is good and, you know, <laughs> um, comp- competition is weaved through all of our, you know, policies in Australia, We, you know, to compete rather than, well, how might the choice to weave cooperation and collaboration and care through those sort of policies that we have as a nation, what what could we create when we shift that to what is but it's also inherent and uh, in human nature. So maybe I'll pause pause there and ask what's emerging for you. Oh, only about a multitude of things. This is why I always love our conversations. They're so like dense and complex and expansive and inciting. And fun. <laughs> just like, I'm just I'm having I'm having so I feel quite playful. So so this is what this is what's emerging for me. I see abundant pathways for us over the brief expanse of time and space that we have here now together, about another 20, 25 minutes or so. And here's my suggestion. In a conversation anchored in nurturing conditions, as this one is. We could explore several of the threads that I sort of sense are being woven through what has just come and what could follow. So, you know, yeah, virtues, values, principles, whatever you want to call them, like what, what, how do we bring those more into our being and, you know, with energy and life, into our work and you know, our, our, our communities and so on. I know this is kind of core and, and central to, to you and, and your research and, and, and your work. That's one. Another, I think, is actually this emphasizing of practice and practitionership and a shift away from 
the sort of well basically it's like the commodification of knowledge and well i know that now so i'm good and i can just kind of put that over there and and keep going it's like you know it's a hierarchical approach to um you know sort of knowing and being uh, as opposed to the sort of wayfinding so that that could be another line of work that we could explore and the other element and I, this was really emergent to me going back probably now about 10 minutes or so i felt like we were already having sort of a, a conversation as and about a series of nested holes right and i and i wondered whether we could surface that as an explicit um sort of line of inquiry almost um and talk a little bit about how you see that uh permeating what you do and how that awareness as well as that practice is uh, is sort of a significant part of nurturing the conditions to co-create this better world so any thoughts on any all all of those sort of three threads yeah they all sound pretty fun actually um thank you for also seeing those threads which is which is great i think i've landed on working with leaders rather than whole organizations largely through that who are the agents of change and who are the who are the protagonists of of change and that the work that i do in through time has has been in community as well as with individuals um but connecting with individuals um and leaders as as nested within larger systems i've found that work um is where i can uh really resource shifts um i i don't know if it's it's because that's where i'm doing my work i'm doing a lot of my work at that individual level and then supporting out and accompanying others um, but i do find that accompanying peer accompaniment work is very powerful for creating the shifts that we want to see or can enable in the the next system out and the next system out and the next system out and i think part of it is at awakening people to the opportunities for designing for um broader change by thinking in principles and thinking at the level of um, conditions, like how do we support the shifts in conditions and enable the, um, the context to be more conducive for people to be their best selves and to think um, well and be, um, be uh, I, I keep using that best selves, their noble self, um, I guess is another way I would describe it, um, is to express their nobility. And this is vulnerable work, I think, and deep work at that inner level with people. And so creating so something that is part of this nurturing conditions for that inner work is to provide that intentional, brave, kind space safe space for that vulnerable work to happen and for us to know about ourselves that we are there's this beautiful quote in a um a baha'i writing that i'm very familiar with um i grew up as a baha'i and 
there's this writing and it's called the seven valleys and it's it's seven valleys of the journey of the soul towards I don't know what you would call it like wonderment um of of oneness I guess of being one with each other and creation which I think the regeneration movement is is about is this way of how we connect with this planet our uh, and with each other anyway the seven valleys and one of the um poems that's quoted in that is dust thou reckon thyself a puny form um when within thee the universe is folded and when we think about this that the universe is enfolded within us this kind of intentional work of um, working with individuals and this idea that you raise around nested holes, that we're revealing this extraordinary limitlessness, like the universe, like stardust, yeah, so the stuff of matter is in us, but also this capacity for profound limitlessness um, and connection is I don't know. It's just this metaphor is something to play with, I think. And it's, um, it's that extraordinary, um, work that happens when you're in peer relationship, um, and working with individuals and creating the conditions for that evolution to take place at the same time as we're in the, the holes that we're trying to work with and influence and system change, we're trying to also help those systems to evolve and to reveal the possibility that they could be that are um, outside of us. And I think that's where the thread of values and principles and purpose comes through when I was kicking off my studies in education for sustainability. I was thinking about what are those spiritual principles or living system principles, what, whatever you want to call them, that when they take shape in the world, when you seek to help them unfold and you think, okay, well, if this is justice today, what if we try and implement that today, what would it look like? And then you learn, oh, no, not quite. Um, and then you get a greater and greater understanding of these principles and you try and bring them to life in the world. I think that's partly why I've, I've worked so closely with values and principles is that they are the stuff of life and you're trying to bring them into the world. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, no, it makes massive sense to me and – Sorry, I confess I was uh, present, but not in a radical form. I was actually reflecting on part of the conversation we had a little bit earlier in the season with Hugh McKay, and he was you know, he was really you know sort of dwelling on you know the demise of the sort of um, currently primary um, you know sort of colonising you know sort of spiritual modality of Christianity, and in Australia and other parts of the world, of course, and. You know, so Hugh's contention being that as Australia is secularized, uh, as we've become a less spiritual nation, there's been this vacuum of virtue of virtues, not his words, but that that was the inference. And that's created lots of lots of problems. And to him is kind of like the core restorative conditioning is bringing some kind of moral frame of reference back is the way to overcome disconnection and the way to overcome systemic greed and the way to overcome 
basically absence of kindness, which you know, that, that, that was the, the heart of the conversation. And I'm seeing a similar emergence here as well, right? Like it's the heart of the ecological crisis, um, to reference Laureline Simon, you know, is a cultural challenge that there's a separation of individualistic valuing of things from the collective values, virtues, principles that need collaboration and collectivization and, you know, the sort of more holistic view of us as human beings. And then there's also an even more significant and more damaging separation of spiritual connection to interbeing and all beings. So that's just a reflection on, yeah, where I've been. Well, it was just, an, just as, a, as a wrap on that, um, there's an author that I um, loved and connected with when I was doing my PhD, which is Professor David Orr. I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, his work, and he wrote a book called Earth Is he the Mind. guy who says, uh, is he the guy who says um, hope is a verb with its sleeve rolled up? Is that him? Yes, that's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, cool. And interestingly, in the journal Biology, um, and biologists, I think, are quite interesting people. And Bruce Lipton, I guess, is one of them who's the quantum field, energies are connected, and evolutionary biology, which is really interesting. Um, anyway, in this journal Biology, David Orr published four papers. And one of them, um, he talks about that the, the, the essential need for um, us to develop spiritual acumen. So this is in a science journal. It's within the science community. And he's really speaking to this idea of the need for spiritual acumen, that for us to transcend our challenges and not to be so narcissistic, we really need to understand that there's this ongoing um, life, spiritual life, and that we really need um, to develop these qualities of forgiveness and understanding and, and so on to really, uh, create a world and live uh, that thrives for all, um, all life. So I think that that's, that's something that I think the re- that there's this potency about the regeneration paradigm and movement that is reconnecting and regenerating those qualities of spirituality that, Fritjof Capra talks about that ecological awareness at its heart is spiritual awareness. It's this deep ecology sensibility and understanding, I think, is very present in regeneration and it's very attractive to people. They're yearning for that. And so it's growing. We're seeing it grow. Yeah, absolutely. And just to throw another couple of names uh, into the dialogue, I mean, that is a very consistent um, dance that I have really, really loved exploring in the work of Robin Wall Kimmerer and Catherine Hayhoe, right? That in mm. very different ways, like they're in different scientific fields, they're from different spiritual references, Catherine being evangelical Christian, Robin Wall Kimmerer being Potawatomi um, First Nations in America, but they're, they're speaking in similar language about different frames again, lenses on the same f- groundwork. And for, and for them, it's about intersectionality, um, not binaryism, binarism, whatever that word should be. Um, <laughs> at the end, it, it, we are and need 
not discard the technology that we've created and the systems and structures that do you know propagate the societies that we have we need to add to them and reconnect with and rediscover our love of again pick your term spirit deity gaia you know um and uh, and bring it all together but yeah kind of resting hope faith and optimism on either is um less likely to be effective yeah absolutely one thing that i love about the systems work um is that it kind of connects a little bit to what Margaret Wheatley writes about in terms of learning organisations and that leaders are hosts of conversations and part of our capacity as leaders is to be able to harness insights and collective insights and uh, not to have the, the, the view or focus just on the majority view or the dominant perspective in an organisation but to have that capacity to hold space for perspective to emerge, to to build the capacities to seek the truth, if you will, or the the follow the path of of what is the the right path, and and learn how to do that together um, beyond our own habits of mind and biases and the baggage that we've brought with us, but to seek where is the future calling us to, and where is our best selves calling us towards. So as leaders, how do we host the those kinds of conversations. So it's not just one person's cosmology or, you know, I might have a, you know, I grew up in a Baha'i family. I have a perspective about what Baha'i is, for example, but it's not the right perspective. It's just where I am right now, knowing what I know and my life experiences. If I have a conversation with, you know, a uh, you know, a Baha'i from Iceland or a Baha'i from, you know, uh, Madagascar or someone from Brazil or Chile or, or the UK, we would have some common threads to our conversation. But there would be some nuances there which are in further open up, oh, what is the truth of this, of this life, of this, you know, what it is to be human. So... Anyway, that's a that's a very esoteric way of thinking about what is the practical skill of a leader um, in terms of what they can what are the conditions that they need to be creating in an organization and it's enabling people to bring their perspective and their truth and to find answers for the next best step. I guess that's wise and good for each other in the world. Thank you uh, for everything. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just going to say that. Thank you for everything and. Thank you for everything that you've just said and shared so far. And I'm so glad you brought Margaret Wheatley into the conversation as well. I've got really good, really good grounding in just if anybody isn't familiar with the work of any of the people uh, that Dimity or, or I have shared, then just go change that. Well, I had that lovely experience with um, Margaret Wheatley. She said yes to joining um, the first session of the Masterclass series that um, I curated and collaborated on with a number of people back in 2020. It was like in the the crucible of the the pandemic for me anyway. And um, she joined us for the first session. One of her papers is this invitation to leaders to reclaim leadership as a noble profession and one where um, we can create islands of sanity for the people that we are with 
to be their most generous, creative, kind selves? And how do we create the conditions for that? And part of that is our own inner condition. Obviously, you know, that's key. That's front and centre in that work. Um, And she came to, it was an online uh, masterclass and she shared her perspective on that. Um, Yeah, that book of hers, Who Do We Choose to Become? It's, It's a question. You know, who, who are we? What matters to us? It's, it's a question that we're really holding um, in a new program that will be coming out in July um, that I'm hosting and working on with a wonderful uh, collaborator, Karen um, Olson from America. And we're holding that question as at the heart of this learning journey and community of practice that we're um, opening up in July. Who will we be no matter what? as part of that learning journey. So I was about to say, I'm very glad that you uh, interjected with everything that you've just uh, shared there. Uh, I was about to say, thank you for the segue that you provided into a part of the conversation that I was really hoping that we'd get to, uh, to explore even just for sort of five minutes or so, you know, some practical applicable elements, not to make this a how to show or anything like that, but, in your lived experience, in your work, you know, how do you invite leaders to step into that nobility and to co-create those islands of sanity? And if you choose to you know, speak about, you know, the frame that you and Karen are providing in this course or, you know, speak about some of the other spaces that, you know, you've created and, uh, and opened and held over the years. Yeah, thanks for the, um, that question, and I think about the the blog articles I've write and the tips and tricks and <laughs> we can put all those in the show notes though. Go to barasa.com and exhaust yourself with all the different Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Uh, there's this wonderful um, paper that has inspired me and Ah, this is. I hope this isn't going to be a long-winded answer to your question, but it's this this choice between are we going to be motivated by our fears and our expediencies, our comfort of self, or are we going to be motivated morally by this this uh, sense of self that is um, is noble, moral? Um, are we motivated by um, uh, our capacity? for justice and care? Do we have an internal compass that is authentic, it's conscious, it's we've considered it, it's ours, and do we have a larger frame of reference that pulls us forward? So I, th- I think in answer to that question is how do we see ourselves? What is our sense of ourselves really? And I, that's that's a uh, that involves self inquiry. It involves putting ourselves into situations where we are serving, whether that's in our, our work environment or in our community, and we um, engage reflexively with that experience. Like, what are we learning about ourselves? Oh, I don't really like that person, or I can't work with that. Time. So we learn about ourselves through that that of that context of of service. Um, and that those capacities for reflexivity. Um, I think the other aspects of being able to create the conditions for ourselves and others is I, I, I'm not there yet. Um, this self-compassion and 
it's, it's a bit like going back to that, that poem that I shared, this idea that we are limitless, that we are, um, within us, the universe is folded and recognizing that in ourselves and others. Um, so coming to a sense of self love and knowledge of this, um, preciousness of the human being so that we can treat ourselves and others with dignity. There's a, there's some practical stuff of not getting burnt out and being mindful of our, our care when we're in fear or we're overstretched or really exhausted we do default to those biases and our survival instinct. So being mindful of that for yourself as well as the teams that you're leading. So are those conditions just the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Is it people in survival? What's their, like their own context? We've experienced this through the pandemic a lot. How are people um, being mindful of, of what people are um, facing, learning how to create safe containers without judgment um, for people to share their creative selves, all of those things that you read about on LinkedIn, they're actually really, really important and hard to do, getting more sleep, eating well, all of those really practical things. For me, I also have a prayer practice, you know, I, And I think people have a a contemplative, meditative practice Um, uh, and that is part of getting that inner system connected and right, spending time in the natural world. I think when I was young that was my, that wired me in a certain way and I think that that's true of adults as well. I have a friend who runs forest bathing activities and sessions and have people have an opportunity to connect deeply and be in nature in a very conscious way what are things that you you go to or or see have have been really important for for people yeah i'm going to respond briefly because i'm now getting very conscious of our time but again thank you for the invitation and i really do concur with all of that and it's just really the variation that you know, sort of suits your being and your context. I mean, I've done, you know, deep meditation practice. I've done a lot of, um, you know, sort of real kind of introspection work. I think I absolutely am most nourished by being in forests and fresh water more than sort of oceans. Like I, I love the ocean, especially I love diving in it, but I've come to recognize that I'm actually more nourished by rivers. And I I don't think it's a coincidence that I now live near one of the largest rivers in this area. One of the practices that I have found speaks to a number of the, again, threads that you've woven so eloquently and effectively today is um, floating, right? In a magnesium bath, in the dark for an extended period of time, you know, it gives you, it removes that distraction. It, you know, puts you in the universal conductor that water is and in a very held physically way. Um, and all kinds of interesting things have emerged and restorative, um, 
know, sort mm. of energy has been received. Uh, so I would, ju- I, I, yeah, just being in forests, whether it's hiking, running, you know, trail running, you know, kind of camping, um, or or just I, I either I have chosen to be in place where we have thirty mature trees um, in our garden. So just being with them is is very nurturing for me. Um, so yeah, I would say those things. Um, and purely only because of the obligation we have to this thing we call time, I'm going to have to sort of say final question to you. Where can people find out more about you and what you do? I am very happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. You'll find me there. Uh, you'll also uh, find me um, on the web uh, with my uh, company, which is barassaconsult.com. You can also uh, – explore a little bit about the upcoming um, learning journey and community of practice we're opening called Evolving Leadership for a Regenerative Future, um, which is barassaconsult.com forward slash evolving dash leadership, which is another place I think that people can really develop that that capacity for creating the conditions or the islands of sanity, um, which is our peer learning peer learning space, um, reflective, um, committed group of, of people who are passionate about a better world um, and doing that together and, and really checking your thinking and your ways of being with um, um, that kind of, of group. And in that space, we're going to really be applying regenerative frameworks and thinking to our leadership practice and evolving that and speaking to that inner spirit um, and qualities of our um, inherent nobility. So really bringing that to the fore, which I think is quite unique um, and we're looking forward to leading people through that. Um, I am on Instagram at Dimity Podger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there infrequently. Um, so those are the main places. All right, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. No, they're all, well, they're, the all, question, they're all in the show notes, even the Instagram account. Um, so, <laughs> yes, many we'll pathways. there that's <laughs> – yeah yeah no so awesome so thank you so much i am personally very very grateful for this and all of our um connections i am right now enlivened uh, enriched and informed and inspired as always by uh you your work and everything that we've discussed today so thank you very much oh thanks tim been wonderful having this conversation with you perfect see you soon bye Now, wasn't that just such a nurturing, nourishing and just like elevating discussion? Um, As I said at the start, you know, I've been knowing Dimity for a couple of years now. And as frequently happens when I invite people to join me and and co-create a conversation here, I find out even more about them, even when I've known them for years and years and years than, you know, the... I don't know what it, what is it about this this podcast format, you know, this thing that we do that we create that we put into the world that I don't know, yeah, certainly seemingly the way that this platform's functioning is it's this very seems to be this very deep listening experience where all kinds of emergence can occur. Uh, so 
yeah, do you know sort of follow the links if you haven't done so already. You know, Dimity's work is is fabulous. Uh, I've been really, really grateful to have opportunities to work with her. I've gone through some of her courses before, so I can personally vouch for how significantly shifting they are. And you know, this latest one, uh, this collaborative endeavor around regenerative leadership is just about to get out of the gate now as this goes live. So if that's of any interest at all, go check that out straight away. Cannot endorse that more highly. And in terms of our stuff, again, by the time this goes to air, we'll be right on the cusp of our first live event. So if you're available and if you're interested in having an interaction you know, with four of our fabulous guests, then please check that out as well. There's a link down there in the show notes. That's enough for me today. We've still got a couple more episodes um, to go before we shift into frameworks, uh, but you can start to see where the frameworks are emerging as well. Um, so very much a, you know, an intertwining of conditions and frameworks. So there's lots of richness still ahead. I will leave it here for today and look forward to welcoming you back for our conversation with Alice Howard Vice coming up next. As always, great thanks and appreciation to the team who contributed to bringing better world leaders to you. To Brendan Ward for production of all audio recordings and composition and performance of original music throughout each episode. To Cooper and the team at Radio Hub Studios for technical support and creative guidance during the episodes that are recorded face-to-face. To Knock Knock Studios for website design, hosting and advice and to Sarasa Design for logo and site graphics. You'll find audio and video recordings of this episode, as well as links to any specific recommendations or related resources that were mentioned today in the podcast area of 4iLeadership.com backslash insights. This is the Better World Leaders podcast, brought to you by 4i Leadership. world.